less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green. Thank y'all for tuning in tonight. Um, it's just me this evening. I did not line up a guest for tonight just because uh, tonight's topic is one of my favorites to talk about. It's probably the most amount of research um, I've ever put into a topic in general. I've been studying it for five years now, four years now. So um, I am by no means the top expert on Bitcoin, but uh, I do have a very good understanding of what it is, what it does, and um, how best to use it. So um, yeah, but before we get started, if you have any questions about the Libertarian Party of Georgia, head on over to lpgeorgia.com. Um, we have a ton of resources um, for you to learn about what we're doing around the state to spread freedom and liberty. Um, you can also take the world's smallest political quiz, which will tell you exactly where you are on the spectrum of politics. Um, because there's not just a right wing and a left wing. There's this entire little diamond right here. So take the quiz, learn where you are, figure out uh, if you align with the Libertarian Party, because uh, my thoughts are most people are far more libertarian than, than what they realize, um, just because they haven't been told the correct things about what libertarianism is. Um, you can also get involved by, you can sign up, you can go to events, register to vote. There's blog submissions. You can run for office. You can sign up for the Liberty Watch, which is Brian Allen's project um, where he dissects all the legislation that is happening across the state of Georgia. Um, and you can sign up for uh, his email that presents you with all of that information. Super useful, um, an incredible amount of detail. It's very impressive work. So sign up for Liberty Watch through our website um, and you won't regret it. I mean, it's a lot of information. So if you, uh, yeah, it's a lot of information, but it's really good. It's really, really good, really specific. Um, and it affects you and everyone, you know, here in the state of Georgia. So, um, it's definitely something good to keep an eye on. Um, all right, y'all tonight is all about the very, very basics of Bitcoin. Okay. If, if you already have, if you already own Bitcoin, if you have a wallet, if you have transacted in Bitcoin, you might find this episode uh, a little redundant, a little unnecessary. Um, it might not be the most exciting for someone like you. However, you might learn something new or you just might hear me go off on a rant because Bitcoin gets me really excited. So um, we're going to start with a clip from our former president, um, Mr. Barack Obama, talking about what Bitcoin could mean if it was um, spread across the world. There we go. To ask is if technologically it is possible to make an impenetrable device or system where the encryption is so strong that there's no key, there's no door at all, then how do we apprehend, how do we solve uh, a or disrupt a terrorist plot? What mechanisms do we have available to even do simple things like tax enforcement? Because if in fact you can't 
crack that at all, government can't get in, then everybody's walking around with a Swiss bank account in their pocket. <laughs> all right. So this is his attempt at trying to make sure that we know that criminals can't be apprehended if everyone uses Bitcoin, because you can't, the government can't just reach into your Bitcoin account and take your hard earned money. Um, and he's saying this like it's a bad thing that the government can't come in and just take their tax revenue from your bank um, if you don't comply with them. Um, it's really interesting to, to see videos like this is not the only one. There are, there are so many where people are making the opposite case of what they think they're making. Um, they're kind of saying the quiet part out loud. They want to be able to force you to pay taxes no matter what. And they couldn't do that if everyone used Bitcoin. They just couldn't do it um, because Bitcoin is impenetrable, as we will discover here in a bit. All right. Bitcoin basics. Tonight, we're going to be going over the origin of Bitcoin, what actually is Bitcoin, properties of hard money, misconceptions of Bitcoin, uses of it, and why not dollars? Because... That's always the question. I mean, that's the question I get most often is I'll just keep like, why, why can't I just keep my money in my dollars? Um, especially, I mean, I, I hate to stereotype an entire group of people, but especially older folks um, tend to completely disregard Bitcoin, basically my parents age and up. Um, not always, obviously, it's just a broad generalization, but so much of the time it is impossible to talk to um, people above the age of 60 about Bitcoin because they think it's just nonsense money. Um, so let's get right into it. The origin of Bitcoin. I'm going to read a lot. Um, I'm just going to remind you that this is also an audio podcast. In fact, a lot of our listens, a lot of our views come through the audio platform. Um, it comes out about 30 minutes after this live stream ends. Um, so I'll be reading off everything that is on the screen just, just so people listening can, can get it as well. Um, Bitcoin was created in 2008 by an unknown group or individual named Satoshi Nakamoto. Since that time, it has been one of the fastest rising assets in history. It took nearly nine years for adoption of Bitcoin to begin to spread. The first commercial purchase with the currency was a pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin, which in today's Bitcoin price would be $520 million. Quite an expensive pizza. Um, it was created as a secure way to transact peer-to-peer, -peer, cutting out the middleman, including banks, credit card companies, and payment apps. The design of the Bitcoin network was such that no individual or entity can own the network, manipulate it, or destabilize it. This means that more Bitcoin can't be printed and that no one can hijack the network for their own means. In other words, Bitcoin cannot be hacked like your bank can be. Um, this is basically just where Bitcoin came from. A lot of people get hung up on the fact that an unknown person or group of persons invented it. It makes them think that in some way, shape or form, that person or those people can then manipulate it in the future. However, the code has been reviewed by thousands of people at this point. Um, it is 
unhackable. It would take, I forget what the actual number is, but it's in the thousand. No, I think it's in the millions of years that it would take to actually hack Bitcoin. I could be wrong about that exact number, but um, it would take an insane amount of computing power a very long time in order to actually um, manipulate Bitcoin. Um, and the fact that an unknown person invented it should not be I mean, do you know, do you personally know who invented the dollar or who invented the Federal Reserve or any number of currencies? You probably don't. Um, and it's irrelevant because it's just a means of storing the value of your time and labor. And so as long as it does it well, then it's a good currency. And we're going to get to the, the properties of a, of a hard money here in a bit. Next slide is what is Bitcoin? I'm realizing how tiny this font is on this screen. I apologize, y'all. Um, it's it's much smaller <laughs> on this screen than uh, than it was when I was typing this up. So Bitcoin is a digital currency and payment method that allows holders to send money without a middleman. That is the key. That's the key right there. Every time you transact with your credit card, debit card, a check, um, even cash, there is a middleman involved. Um, you are paying Visa a certain amount in order to be able to use their network to transact. Um, and they can do things like hold your funds, um, reroute your funds. They can allow the government to come in and take money from your account. If you're a member of Chase Bank, which is one of, he was one of the founders of the Federal Reserve back in 1913, um, they can allow the government to come in and take your hard-earned money if you, for instance, are a convicted um, terrorist or maybe even suspected terrorist. But definitely, if you haven't paid taxes, they can come in and take whatever assets they want. Um, and so Bitcoin makes it impossible for them to be able to do that. A Bitcoin is the larger unit of measurement being broken up into Satoshis or sats. So there's nine decimal points. Um, each Bitcoin consists of a hundred million Satoshis. Um, and so this is my this is my actually one of my biggest complaints about Bitcoin is that um, I wish they'd have called a Bitcoin a Satoshi and a bit, the Satoshi's Bitcoins. I wish they'd have flipped it um, because Bitcoin, since there's only gonna be 21 million ever printed, which we'll get to that as well, it, it kind of feels like, well, there's, since there's only 21 million, not everybody can have one. And so why would I get involved in a currency where there's only 21 million people can have one Bitcoin a piece? That's not at all how it works. Um, you buy Satoshis. You buy these little tiny units of a Bitcoin. Um, and there are 100 million of them um, in, in one Bitcoin. And so there are 21 million Bitcoins. I don't know the math. Should I do the math on that? Because that's going to be a, I mean, it's going to be a stupid big number. Let's see. 21 million times 100 million. Let's see, that's million, billion, trillion. What's after trillion? It's 2.1 whatever after trillion is. Is it zillion? I don't know, <laughs> but it's a lot. So that's a lot of Satoshis out there. Um, I would think of it 
is like a dollar compared to, or a cent compared to a dollar. So a Satoshi is a cent, a dollar is a Bitcoin. Just um, saying, definitely not to scale. Um, Bitcoin is created. So yeah, Bitcoin is created through mining, which is a misnomer in my estimation, but it makes sense once you learn what mining is, in which a computer solves complex mathematical problems, which uncovers new Bitcoin, while at the same time maintaining the security of all transactions. We're going to get a little bit into the weeds talking about this just on this page. This is the most technically um, confusing page. Um, so there's a ton of resources out there to learn about this. And uh, I put my sources at the end of this presentation. Um, so you can go research some more. You can go learn more about mining, more about blocks, more about everything that I'm going to talk about here. Um, the details of the transactions are collected into a block, which miners then confirm are legitimate and write them to a ledger, thus creating a blockchain, something I'm sure you've heard of at this point. The miners are then rewarded with Bitcoin once they perform an even more in-depth process which, with a hash algorithm and a nonce. Um, those are things I'm not going to talk to you about at all because that gets really into the weeds. Um, there are plenty of resources to um, slide down that rabbit hole if you're so inclined. Essentially, miners from around the world confirm and reconfirm the transactions that take place every few minutes in order to ensure that Bitcoin gets to where it needs to go and that no one is able to slip in false transactions. So basically, it's miners from around the world. Anybody can have a node that can confirm the Bitcoin. So I have nodes that confirm what happens on the blockchain. Um, it confirms all those transactions. And the more people involved in the blockchain, the more secure it becomes because the more decentralized it becomes. So the more people confirming that, yes, this transaction was legitimate, this transaction was real, the less likely that someone is going to be able to slip a false transaction in there or just flood the market with un... Um, unminted Bitcoin, which is basically impossible at this point in time. It may have been possible back when it first started, but it is absolutely no longer doable because as soon as that happens, tens of thousands of nodes from around the world would flag that transaction as false and it would be booted off the blockchain and we would just continue on our merry way. Um, so that's kind of the basics of the technical side of things. Um, 21 million Bitcoin will be printed by the year 2140. So we still have 120 years until the final Satoshi is minted by, uh, by the process of mining. Um, basically what happens is these miners, these people who set up um, miners in their homes, I have a couple, like I said, um, they get rewarded for processing these complex mathematical equations um, and using the hash algorithms. Um, they get We get rewarded for these things. Every four years, that reward gets cut in half. And so 120 years from now, from this year, right? No, 116 years from this year will be the final Satoshi that is mined due to... Um, due to to uh, the hash algorithm and all this, all this um, processing. Um, and so 
each, every four years, we're going to learn about this here in a little while. Every four years, there's a halving, which is happening this year, in which the rewards for mining Bitcoin are cut in half, um, which also leads to a little value bump because it's there's scarcity. There's more scarcity. So um, it just leads to a, val a value bump for, for Bitcoin, which is why, which is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons this year that you're seeing um, Bitcoin continue to go up in value compared to the dollar. If you have any questions, please, you can comment in the comment section. If you have anything you want to ask, feel free. There are no dumb questions here. Um, this is Bitcoin basics. So if you want to learn about the basics, ask me here. Um, and if I can't answer your question, I'm just going to send you over to Shane Hazel. <laughs> All right. These are the properties of hard money. Okay. This is something that you should know before you start investing into different currencies. Hard money has to be durable. It has to be scalable. It has to be saleable and it has to be transportable. Okay. Now durability is extremely important. Can you, can the currency store value over a long period of time? We're going to get to why the dollar is one of the worst stores of value that you could possibly put your money in. We're going to get to that um, later on in, in this, um, in this episode. Um, things like gold and real estate are fantastic stores of value because there is a very limited amount of both and a limited amount, something that cannot be inflated, something that cannot be turned into more easily is a better hard money than something that can be like the dollar. They just print dollars willy-nilly. You can't print more gold. And so gold has been a fantastic store of value. The issue with gold is it's hard to break it down, which is the second one, scalability. It's hard to break it down into smaller parts for smaller transactions. So one ounce of gold, I don't know if you've ever held an ounce of gold, but it, I mean, it's about that big. I mean, it's tiny. It's about that big square. Um, super thin, about that thin. Um, yeah, I mean, less, less, uh, maybe an inch, inch by an inch with quarter inch depth um, is is an ounce of gold. And um, it's hard to uh, transact in something that size. Um, it's a great store of value. It holds value for a very long time. In fact, the inflation of gold only inflates between two and 5% each year. Um, and that's basically due to, uh, the fact that it can be mined. Um, so there is more gold coming into the world, but the labor used to mine that gold, um, kind of offsets a lot of that, of a lot of that value. So, um, yeah, gold is something that cannot be, that isn't easily scalable, Silver is something that's easily scalable, but it's also more plentiful. So there's a downside to silver. Um, saleability. Can it be made liquid in order to exchange it for goods and services? So there have been a ton of currencies that have existed over, over a long period of time. Um, seashells at one point were a currency. Um, and cows, animals. It's hard to break 
it's hard to make a cow liquid in order to transform uh, in order to transact for something smaller. It's also hard to transport a cow. It's also hard to, um, yeah. Can it be made liquid in order to exchange it for goods and services? Well, a cow can't really. So you either have to get your values worth for that cow or you don't get your values worth. Um, and so, uh, another cows kind of went by the wayside as far as, um, a currency was concerned. You can still barter. I mean, there are tons of people who still barter for different things, um, but it's not nearly as efficient as something like a currency. Um, and then the last one is transportability. How easily can you take it from one place to another? A cow is very difficult to transport. Gold, um, depending on how much of it, is very difficult to transport. If you wanted to send gold to somebody that there's a lot of risk involved in that you have to get insurance when you ship it otherwise someone would i mean there's a high likelihood of someone stealing it or you can go yourself and deliver it to somebody um but you know that costs money that costs time so is it transportable and uh, that's that's where like dollars are great dollars are great at being transportable because i can in western union or through a check or through, you know, just a wire transfer, I can send dollars anywhere in the world. Granted, it's going to cost me quite a bit if I send it through Western Union. Wire transfers cost quite a bit. Um, and so, yes, it's easily transportable, but um, there's a price for that. So, these are the four primary properties you need to look for when you're looking into where to put your money in a currency. Um, it's, it's, it's never a bad thing to have gold. It's never a bad thing to have silver. Right now, it's not a terrible thing to have dollars. Um, they're still incredibly useful. Obviously, most people around the world will transact in dollars, which makes them inherently valuable. We're going to get to that in a little while. Um, Real estate is also a great thing. It, it keeps its value over time because there's only a limited amount of real estate in the world. And so um, the more limited something is, the more valuable it ends up being. Um, let's see, Danny Dolan says, saleability. This weekend, a customer bought two tickets for a play at my theater with sats. How about that, Danny? I love it. That is fantastic. I love that your theater accepts Satoshis. That is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Can it be made liquid in order to exchange it for goods and services? Saleability. Danny Dolan found his theater down in Fayetteville. Um, fantastic. Love it. All right. Next slide. All right. This is where we get to the point. Um, all the naysayers. All the people who have issues with Bitcoin, who um, have misconceptions about Bitcoin, who spread things that they have no idea what they're talking about as far as Bitcoin is concerned. The first one is Bitcoin is volatile and unstable. In the very short term, almost everything is volatile and unstable. And especially a brand new asset such as Bitcoin is going to be volatile until it is adopted more widely. Um, the internet, this is an interesting little tidbit, the internet um, started getting mass adopted in the early 90s and spread 
fairly quickly. And now you see where it is today. Um, in that same timeline, so I guess the internet was invented in like the 70s, um, really, re I mean, really took place in like the late 80s. But um, the internet was was around long before, uh, before the 90s when it was mass adopted. And right now, Bitcoin, its adoption rate is about at 2%. So about 2% of the world has adopted Bitcoin as an asset, a currency, what have you. Um, and it has it was invented in 2008, which gives it, what is this, 16 years, 16 years ago. And its adoption rate is faster than that of the internet. Um, people are seeing its value and understanding what it could do in the future and beginning to adopt it. Um, and so it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily something where it's, you know, just because the internet was adopted that quickly and now is everywhere does not necessarily mean that Bitcoin will be adopted at the exact same rate or faster forever. It just means it's just an interesting thing. It's just an interesting thing to note. Um, so yeah, the vol volatility and instability of it is over a very short period of time. I have a article here where what's this lady's name um lynn alden um lynnalden.com actually <laughs> uh talks about the volatility and why that's a misconception because if you look at the here it is the long-term logarithmic chart especially as it relates to bitcoin's four-year having cycle it is pretty stable i mean it, it just continues to gain value it's a logarithmic scale. It has little peaks and little dips, just like everything on Earth does. Um, but it continues to gain value. And that's something that people overlook because they see charts only like this with all of this volatility. Well, this is not the full picture. Um, this is how people trick you or deceive you into not thinking that Bitcoin um, should be invested in. This is the chart you want to be looking at, a logarithmic chart. Um, and it really gives you the best information. So is it volatile? Well, yes, if you're trying to make a score really quickly, then yes, it's volatile because it goes up and down on a daily basis. Um, but if you're looking at it in the long term, it is 100% one of the fastest rising assets in the history of mankind. So um, I dismiss the volatility of it because I'm, I'm not in this to get rich quickly. I'm in this to establish long-term generational wealth um, that will maintain its value over my lifespan and future generations. Um, another thing people say is bitcoin is just another stock invest when it's low and get out when it's high i kind of just covered that don't do that if you're if you're going to do that just go mess around with all the other cryptos um crypto bitcoin is completely different than every single other crypto out there um actually we're going to get to why in just a second uh bitcoin is useless and has no intrinsic value unlike gold or silver also not entirely true and also something that uh, Lynn Alden talked about in one of her articles, which it's funny because I was addressing all this and then I looked up, well, why do other people think it's has no intrinsic value? And she nailed it. Um, 
To start, she says, uh, to start with, digital assets can certainly have value. In simplistic terms, imagine a hypothetical online massive multiplayer game played by millions of people around the world. If there was a magical sword item introduced by the developer that was the strongest weapon in the game and there were only a dozen of them released and accounts that somehow got one could sell them to other, another account, you can bet the price for that digital sword would be outrageous. Bitcoin's utility is that it allows people to store value outside of any currency system in something with provably scarce units and to transport that value around the world. Um, yeah, fantastic way to put it. I thought she was, I thought she did that extremely well. Um, and so, yes, it does have intrinsic value. We, whether you like it or not, we live in a digital world. We live in a world where you can digitize basically anything at this point. And so embracing that um, means embracing something like Bitcoin. Um, because uh, Bitcoin is unlike any other cryptocurrency out there. The reason being is there cannot be any more added Bitcoin. So there's 21 million forever. There's no one in charge of it. There's no one deciding what it does, whether or not to raise or lower interest rates, to um, add more, to, to, yeah, to print more, mint more Bitcoin. Um, it's there and that's it. It's final. Um, every single other crypto out there has some type of person or people in charge of it and can technically decide what they want to do with it, which direction they want to go. In other words, your the value of your crypto is dependent on the whims of one person or a group of people, whereas Bitcoin is absolutely not that. One thing, another uh, one thing people also say is uh, Bitcoin is just digital fairy money. I feel like we already covered that. Um, Bitcoin is a bubble. Um, I think that has been proven to be incorrect countless times over the last 16 years. You can go back and look at all the charts where people were saying, Bitcoin's a bubble, it's about to burst. Bitcoin's a bubble, it's about to burst. Um, Bitcoin isn't scalable since the number of transactions per second are limited. So yeah, this was a this was an issue four years ago. Um, three years ago, four years ago, maybe five. Um, and there were only a certain number of transactions that could take place on the network within a few minutes. Well, now, as humans do, we've improved on something and made it better. We've made it so that more transactions can be made on the network so that more people can, can transact between each other. I mean, it's fantastic. That's exactly what humans do. We improve upon things most of the time. Um, another thing people say is Bitcoin wastes energy and destroys the environment. This is the stupidest one by far. People get all upset that uh, Bitcoin miners use energy in order to process um, those mathematical equations and send Bitcoin from one place to another. Well, just consider if you're driving down the road for 10 minutes in a city, how many banks do you pass? How many um, money lenders? How many... How, much, how many banking systems in general do you pass on a daily basis? Countless. All those buildings require electricity, require people, require um, 
air conditioning, like they require a massive amount of computing power. Um, you want to talk about contributing to degradation of the environment. If that's your primary concern, then you should be boycotting the banking system and coming on over to Bitcoin, where a few miners can run off of friggin' solar panels. Um, it's idiotic. It's a, it's a terrible argument that people make. Um, there are so many things out there disproving that dumb argument um, that I'm not going to waste a ton of time um, talking about that here. Um, another one is governments will ban Bitcoin. Well, they can't. They can, they can fine people. They can fine um, big institutions, technically speaking, to, to the point where they, if they transact in Bitcoin or accept Bitcoin, then they'll get fined. But they can't stop you from transacting in Bitcoin. They have no control over the network. You can always find a way to transact in Bitcoin. Um, it's just, it's not possible for them to actually ban it. Um, they can say you're not allowed to which actually, that's an interesting question. What is the definition of ban it? Because um, I guess they've banned weed federally, but it's still around as long as you're, you know, you're just doing it illegally. So <laughs> um, I guess technically they could ban it, but uh, it wouldn't have an effect on anything because people would still use it. Um, you, there are ways to use it where they would have no idea who you are and who you sent the Bitcoin to. So um, it's just, it's not a reasonable argument to think that um, the government can ban it and that will at all affect your ability to transact in Bitcoin. All right, the uses of Bitcoin. It's a currency and it should be used as such. There's a big thing in the Bitcoin community where people just want to hold their Bitcoin. Well, there's no value in just holding it. If you're just holding Bitcoin, you're not doing it correctly. It is a currency. You should be transacting in Bitcoin. Um, I've transacted in Bitcoin, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to cover like wallets and purchasing Bitcoin and the actual act of transacting it at a later date. As for now, there are countless vendors, stores, and individuals who accept Bitcoin as payment for goods and services. And they will only become more plentiful as time goes on and more companies are built around the network of Bitcoin. It will not be as easy as swiping your Visa card, at least not yet. But the trade-off of securing your hard-earned time and labor into a currency that will not inflate, cannot inflate, will be more than worth a little extra effort to begin using Bitcoin on a daily basis. Um, when I personally transact in Bitcoin, I tend to negotiate a little bit. I rarely accept the current dollar value um, as the transaction rate. Um, and most people who understand what Bitcoin is and what it will will be tend to be on the same page and will transact for fewer Satoshis than what the current dollar value supposedly is. Um, I even offer my business, I even offer a 25% discount on my services if someone pays me in Bitcoin. Um, and I actually am probably going to be raising that to 40% sometime soon. Um, just because I see what I see what's going to happen with Bitcoin, and I would prefer more transactions be done with me in Bitcoin. I would prefer to have more Bitcoin in my wallet than dollars, um, because I see what has happened to the dollar over the last hundred years, and it's terrifying that uh, how much value 
um, has been lost over the last 111 years since the creation of the Federal Reserve. Um, why not the dollar? So this particular topic deserves an entire episode to itself. Here are the highlights. More dollars can, pre can be printed at will. And this is the cause of inflation. So you're, you're told a whole bunch of things about inflation. There's only one cause of inflation. It's the printing of more money. It's an increase in the money supply is what inflation is. Prices going up is not inflation. Inflation is something that you can't see happen, but it's something that happens as soon as the Federal Reserve, a private entity in control of our money, prints more money with nothing to back it. So we used to be backed by gold. We used to have every dollar had to have a certain amount of gold in the bank before that dollar was printed. We're backed by nothing now. We're backed by something called fractional reserve banking in which a bank only has to have 10% of its collective deposits. So for every $10 you put in the bank, they only have to have one of them in the bank. Um, it's called fractional reserve banking and it is decimated. They even took away that 10% for about three years, um, starting in 2020, where the banks had to have zero. They didn't have to have anything in the bank um, for you for uh, that that represented your money. It's, it's wild. Um, the Federal Reserve can change the interest rates at will, a component of the boom bust cycle. Um, yes, so the, the government lends out money um, to big corporations and lowering that interest rate allows more corporations to, and people to borrow money from the government, even dropping it down to as little as zero at times. And in Europe, they dropped it into the negatives where basically they were paying corporations to borrow money from them. It is idiotic. It all, that is one, another way that it increases the money supply. Um, again, all, there are so many things we can get into with each one of these points. We're not going to today, um, but we will at some point because this is all super important stuff. Um, physical dollars are rarely printed anymore and your bank absolutely does not have enough cash to cover its customers' accounts. We just talked about this. The dollar's backed by nothing. It used to be backed by gold, as we just said except maybe our military's ability to ensure other countries use the dollar. This is one of the biggest reasons we're constantly at war. Okay, If you want less war, you should want the death of the Federal Reserve. Because what the Federal Reserve allows is for us to print more money, which then funds our military, which then allows them to go around the world and make sure everyone around the world is transacting in dollars. This is why... Um, so Gaddafi, not a great guy, but Gaddafi in Libya started talking with other African nations about adopting gold, a gold-backed currency for Africa. A couple of years later, Gaddafi's getting murdered in the streets. Um, this has happened repeatedly throughout the world where someone will, somebody in power in another nation will say something and start acting on what they're saying um, that threatens the supremacy of the U.S. dollar. And when that happens, 
the CIA goes in and stages a coup, stages a assassination, stages a rebellion. Um, and it's happened repeatedly. I mean, there are so many instances. You can go look them up. They're very well documented. Um, so, yeah, the dollar is backed by nothing except our military's prowess um, in forcing other people to use our currency. And then here's a little snippet, a little three, two or three minute snippet from my movie, Divide and Dominate, um, talking about um, yet another reason why we shouldn't be using dollars. In their vaults. Head of one of the richest families to ever exist, Amsel Rothschild, put it this way. Permit me to issue and control the money of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. In other words, we're at the whims of whomever controls our currency. Three years after that secret Jekyll Island meeting, the Federal Reserve Act was signed into place by President Woodrow Wilson, giving a private company exclusive control of printing our money. The act is even written in such a way that neither Congress nor the president has the ability to control it. The Fed, as we call it, is completely autonomous. Let's see what has happened to a few important statistics since the creation of the Fed. This graph represents the United States national debt. In the year 1913, the government had been steadily paying off the debt accumulated during the Civil War with roughly $2 billion remaining on the tab. Then the Fed came, and the government acted like a kid in a candy store. Suddenly, money was easy to get, and IOUs became the government's main form of payment. They borrowed more and more each year until now, in the year 2022. The debt has increased from $2 billion to more than $30 trillion. $30 trillion. That's what your government owes the Federal Reserve, as well as other countries like China, Japan, Brazil, Ireland, and the UK, among others. Now, here's a graph that illustrates the purchasing power of the dollar. We'll put that graph as starting in 1913 and give you $100, meaning that your $100 is worth exactly $100 in 1913. Within five years, you've lost half of your money, dropping it down to $50. That means if you were buying groceries in 1918 with that $100, you would only be able to afford half the groceries you normally bought in 1913. Less food. These people want us to starve to death. But let's keep going. A steady decline over the decade, and that $100 you own, it's getting less and less value. All the way up to year 2022, where the value of that $100 is only worth 97 cents. You can't even buy gum anymore. You're in the candy bar aisle. You're begging these people, hey, let me at least buy a baby Ruth bar. No one even likes these baby Ruth bars. And they're like, nope, those are $1.60. We got inflation and your 97 cents isn't even worth the 97 cents anymore. This shit gets confusing. You know what? I'll, I'll simplify it for you though. 97 cents, meaning your $100 lost 99% of its value in one century. Does keeping your money in dollars sound like a good idea? You want to be roaming these aisleways, unable to even buy baby Ruth bars? So that's Robbie Bernstein narrating uh, Divide and Dominate. Yeah, I mean, to put that in perspective, 99% of, of the value of your dollar is gone, which means that if you wanted to, I don't know, yeah, if you wanted to, I mean, exactly what he said. If you wanted to buy $100 worth of groceries back then, you could get, you could only spend a dollar today. That's how, like, uh, it's insane what they have done to 
your money. Um, money is just a representation of what of your labor and your time. Um, it is a representation of what you can of, of what you've earned um, through your labor, your time, your skills, all of that. Um, and the federal government prints basically counterfeits money on a daily basis, which makes your money less valuable. Um, and you deserve way more. You deserve much better. You deserve a currency that will maintain its value. You deserve to be able to, um, to, to sleep at night knowing that your, your money is going to be worth the same tomorrow as it is today. Um, and it pains me to see what prices are these days, um, how much it's hurting people to live in the current economy. And what's really frustrating is you, you get, you get all these Republicans talking about how it's just Bidenomics. Um, it's just Joe Biden's doing a terrible job with the economy. Well, yeah, he is, but so did Trump. Trump, was the one where they printed more money under Trump than in the history of the United States. 40% of the dollars ever printed were printed during the Trump presidency. So Republicans and Democrats are equally, not equally, but they're both terrible on currency and economics. They're both horrendous and they just blame each other when in fact they're both to blame. Um, this is why I, this is why I like Bitcoin. I mean, there are so many reasons to like Bitcoin. Um, these are my sources for this episode. Um, I am certain I did not get to explain everything perfectly the way that I wanted to. Um, I'm a work in progress. I, I'm not used to teaching people about things. Um, I will continue to get better at this. Uh, and I hope you'll stick around to learn more because... This is definitely one subject where I know a lot, but I do much better talking like one-on-one -on -one or, you know, to a small group of people um, because then they can ask questions directly and I can answer them and we can go from there. But there are just so many aspects to Bitcoin um, that it's hard to cover in, I guess it's been 45 minutes. So um, apologies if I, if I didn't get to everything. Apologies if it's still slightly confusing. Um, it will be confusing until you actually start transacting in it. It'll be less confusing over time, hopefully, um, if you keep watching these and listening to these. But um, anything that you don't know is generally daunting at least a little bit. Uh, it, it's the unknown. You know, everybody's afraid a little bit of the unknown, even if you don't realize it. Um, so the more you look into it, the more you actually get involved in it, I promise you it is far less scary than you think it is. That first time, that first time I tried to click that button to transact in Bitcoin, that was a scary moment. I didn't have a ton of people around me telling me exactly how to do things. Um, and it was a scary moment, but guess what? Everything went fine. Everything went fine because Bitcoin works and it works exactly how it's supposed to. And it will maintain the value of your time and labor better than the dollar. And so that's exactly why we're having this series. We're going to try to, um, my goal is to have all of this, everything that every episode that we talk about Bitcoin 
have it on um, the LP Georgia website, um, have things like the presentation I just showed you on the Georgia website, LP Georgia website, so that you can go and use our website as a resource for learning about a currency that could set you free from the economic turmoil that has been happening and will continue to happen into the future. You don't get to print 40% of the dollars ever printed and not suffer repercussions in the future. Granted, you didn't print them. It wasn't your fault they got printed. Um, it's the morons at the Federal Reserve who think they can control economics, control a massive worldwide economy. It's hubris, it's pride, it's idiocy, and it's a bunch of people just going along with the system. So um, I encourage you to look into Bitcoin, look into, um, look into, I, I would go read the fiat standard. Um, go get it on Amazon, go get it wherever. Go read the fiat standard, learn more about why fiat money is the downfall of, of culture, of governments, of countries. Um, fiat money is, is the worst way to go. That's it for this week, y'all. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. It's a longer one, man. I didn't know I could talk this long. It's kind of wild actually, <laughs> but, uh, thank y'all for sticking around. I really appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions about this, um, here, my contact info again at the Jake green on X or peaceful C prod and at peaceful C prod or libertarian party of Georgia on Instagram. Um, or you can just email me, director at peacefulcproductions.com. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you learned something. And uh, tune in to Liberty Libations this Thursday night at 8 p.m. and Free Georgia Podcast next week at 8 p.m. on Monday. Peace.